Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of October 29th through Halloween, October 31st, 2021. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Happy belated Halloween, everyone. Hope you got your tricks and treats this past weekend. Me, myself, I didn't go out personally. Uh, had that podcast project I've alluded to before, uh, and the Squid Game costume I had ordered on Etsy didn't make it in time, unfortunately. Something about U.S.-Canadian customs. Hopefully, it'll be in time for Anime NYC in a couple of weeks. Alas. Uh, in any case, it was a down weekend for the box office, in no small part to, to all the gallivanting going on in this first post-pandemic Halloween. Uh, let's look into those numbers spooky as they may be. In first place, we have last week's debut, Dennis Villeneuve's Dune, making $15.4 million in its second weekend in 4,125 theaters, per theater average of $3,737, a 62% drop versus last week, pretty steep. Um, commutative domestic total is $69.2 million so far, with another $222 million abroad in 75 markets, so just shy of that $300 million mark at $291 million total. Now, that 62% drop is pretty steep, but not too far from the 60% estimation we had going into the weekend. Again, it's a combination of HBO Max day and date release plaguing all the Warner films this year. I believe this is the 10th out of 10th, ranked 10th out of 16th in terms of drops, um, which, given how it was one of the most viewed uh, on HBO Max, um, kind of tracks with that. And again, it's also the fact that we have the reduced Halloween weekend audience, meaning that, you know, I think this would do this. This drop shouldn't be seen as a panic sign. Um, after all, Dune Part 2 already got confirmed by Legendary, um, presumably because they got paid off by Warner, um, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, several months ago. So I think we're all golden at this point. Um, as a point of comparison, 10 days post-release, Dune is 16% ahead of Godzilla vs. Kong's 10-day release number. So I think it definitely should be Warner's highest-grossing film of the year by this point. Um, again, that number was led by IMAX, with 28% of the revenue coming to the larger screen format format screens. Also, it has surpassed Dennis Villeneuve's highest domestic film of all time, uh, grossing domestically. Uh, Blade Runner 2049 made $259 million. Um, oh, sorry, worldwide. Blade Runner made 259 worldwide, so another win there coming in close to $300 million again. Estimates put the lifetime total for Dune at about $350 million by the end of it, um, including about a target of $100 million for the domestic market. In second place, Halloween Kills, appropriately enough, uh, you know, came in second for the weekend in its third weekend, making $8.7 million, a 39% drop, versus last week in 3,616 theaters, per theater average of $2,418. Cumulative domestic total is $85.8 million. This one is a bit emblematic of how horror films normally behave. Super profitable because, you know, it had a only $20 million budget, but also has pretty terrible legs, looking at it only tapping out about a 2x multiplier. Still, Part 3 Halloween Ends is already set to start production next year. Um, overseas, it's made $29.4 million for $115 million in 63 markets so far. In third place, Bond has le has hangs in there with its fourth weekend, coming in at $7.7 million in 3,507 theaters, a 36% drop in the per theater average of $2,211. The mask total is $133.2 million, but more impressively, it's made $471 million in 72 markets to cross the $600 million box office mark, helped by the Chinese launch we'll talk about in a little bit. Probably won't get to the rumored $900 million break-even point or even $800 million 
million dollars for that matter, but still has a chance at beating F9's $716 million for the highest Hollywood grossing, highest grossing Hollywood film post-pandemic, at least until Spider-Man No Way Home comes out. In fourth place, our first new film of the weekend, the U.S. release of My Hero Academia, World Heroes Missing, the third film in the My Hero Academia anime franchise. This one opened to $6.4 million over the weekend in 1,581 theaters for per theater of average of $4,048, the highest opening film of the top 10. Oh, sorry, the highest per theater average of the top 10. Um, this was a Funimation Films release, um, and actually the Friday night debut, it opened to the number two spot for the day, making $2.8 million as the fanboys came in to be the first ones to be able to see the film here in the West. Obviously, it's No Demon Slayer. That one opened to $22.7 million back in February. Um, and you know, and and or, or in March or, or earlier this year, um, and even compared to the Dragon Ball Super Broly film in 2019, that one made 9.8 million dollars. So still a little bit sort of that. That said, compared to the other My Hero Academia films, this is the most successful so far, um, having both the widest release as well as beating the second one that also came out in 2019, which made only 5.8 million in its opening weekend. Assuming this one has a similar hold to that second film, with maybe a short two-week run and a 2.3x multiplier, this one should make about 14 to 15 million. Million dollars uh, domestically. So far globally, mostly in Japan, the film has made $28 million abroad, bringing the worldwide total thus far up to $34 million. So, you know, with that $14 to $15 million, you get it to about, you know, $42 million uh, worldwide. As an anime fan, even if I'm not super into the My Hero Academia franchise anymore, due to getting lukewarm about the series, I'm still happy for it to see anime films do well here. Now, rounding out the top five is Venom, Let There Be Carnage in Week 5, making $5.7 million in 3,278 theaters, a 17.54 per theater average, and a 38% drop. Cumulative domestic total is $190.4 million. That passes Black Widow's $183 million to be the second highest grossing film of the year domestically behind Shang-Chi. So I think it should be able to cross that $200 million domestic mark. Internationally, Venom has made $205 million in 53 markets to date, sitting at $395 million worldwide, just shy of the $400 million mark, with 50% of markets still to come. Now, that's the top five, but there's still actually a lot of stuff talking about it, so we'll actually go on, not go through everything in the top ten, but just talk about some new films and some interesting uh, movements, shall we say. In sixth place, the long-delayed searchlight horror film Antlers opened to $4.2 million in 2,800 theaters, a per-theater average of $1,525. Could not find the budget for this one, so don't know if it's profitable or not. Uh, Cinema score came in at C+. Critics 60% and Rotten Tomatoes, an audience score of 69%. Nice. Um, add on another $2.5 million abroad, it sits at about $6.7 million lifetime. In seventh place, uh, I think what the film I was really rooting for but unfortunately couldn't get there, Edgar Wright's new thriller horror film, Last Night in Soho, uh, starring the uh, you know new hot, the hot thing on the block, Anna Taylor-Joy, coming at $4.1 million in 3,016 theaters for a per-theater average of $1,385. That is the most screens that Focus Features has ever released a film on, aside from Downton Abbey, which had a built-in fan base from the TV series. And this is an original story. Now, budget for Edgar Wright's film was about $43 million, so this one looks like it's not going to be uh, financially successful, unfortunately. Cinema score came in at the B+, 74% critics on Rotten Tomatoes, and 92% audience. Um, so I think the word of mouth is pretty good here. Um, but I, I think also, looking back at Edgar Wright's other films, I don't think this opening should have been too much of a surprise, all things told. 
Aside from Baby Driver, his most recent film, full of car chase sequences that had a summer release and opened $107 million opening weekend, Edgar Wright has generally had pretty lackluster openings. His Cornetto trilogy, Sound of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End, only opened to a max of $8.8 million opening weekend. And that was after he already had a cult following from Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, which opened to only 10.6. Again, the good word of mouth of his films generally helped out his legs. About two 2.95x for the worst received at the world's end, and to over a 5x multiplier for Baby Driver. Now, there isn't too much awards buzz for this one, but I think he, he has a good enough relationship with Universal to basically make whatever he wants. Um, another $2.2 million abroad brings us to about $6.3 million lifetime. Uh, in any case, though, I think this is just an indicator that art artsy distributors are going to want to seriously reconsider their business models moving forward post-pandemic. Now, outside the top 10, we have Sony Pictures' embarrassment of a film, A Mouthful of Air, that made $130,000 in 860 theaters for a measly 160 per theater average. I don't even know if this if it'll make its $2.3 million budget back at this rate. That's even worse than the limited release of the original Ghostbusters this weekend, which made $303,000 in 774 theaters per theater average of $391, or the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which, to be fair, it is Halloween, so Rocky Horror Picture Show probably got a boost, but that one made $250,000 this weekend after running continuously for, oh, I don't know, 46 years or so. Um, on the flip side of a you know somewhat notable new performance, The Souvenir Part 2, the sequel to A24's Sundance Darling from 2019, uh, made only $26,400, but I was in three theaters, so a per theater average of about $8,828, the largest uh, per theater average of the weekend. Definitely a much smaller niche target film for this, and I think they know that. Uh, for pre-existing films, go prior to this weekend, outside of the top five, Ron's Gone Wrong dropped uh, 49% in its second weekend to $3.7 million. Uh, the French Dispatch added another 736 theaters to make $2.6 million in a per theater average of $3,302. The basket totals currently sits at $4.5 million, adding to $7.2 million abroad for a total box office of about $12 million to date, about halfway to the $25 million production budget. And then the last duel at number 12 dropped 2,000 theaters in one go and dropped 73% in its third weekend. Not even going to try to figure out how much it's made at this point. So looking at the box office as a whole, as you expected, it was a bit of a drop, you know, down from $96 million last weekend, down to $64 million this weekend, and versus $103 million for the same weekend in 2019. However, there are positive signs. First, October was the highest grossing box office month post-pandemic, coming in at $638 million total domestically, in no small part helped by Venom, No Time to Die, and Dune. Uh, now, down from 29, that's down from 2019's $789 million and 2018's $832 million, but above 2017's $569 million. AMC and Cinemark both confirmed that October was their best month so far as well. Uh, secondly, this is the first weekend post-pandemic where every film in the top ten made at least two million dollars, which you know is a bit of a is, is a bit of a success, right? Obviously, in past weekends we've had films that have grossed really high, but you know they would have a very steep drop off. Not pe people weren't coming out to fill out the things below, um, you know, the, the 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 maybe one or two films at the very top. Here, they're filling it out up through the top ten, which is you know very positive here. Um, 
and 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 then finally, right, looking at the Fourth of July weekend earlier this year, which is similarly had the week, the holiday fall on the Sunday, um, and it preceded the Delta variant spike, and was also the first holiday since the pandemic when people could really gather for it. Uh, we saw a similar drop from the week prior, where you know prior to the Fourth of July was ninety eight million dollars down to sixty eight million dollars on the holiday weekend. So a similar about thirtieth million drop um, from that weekend uh, from from that holiday weekend, and similarly with this holiday weekend here. Um, coincidentally, we also have a new Marvel film releasing in the weekend after the holiday, Black Widow for 4th of July, and Eternals coming up this coming weekend. Um, so that should boost the box office back to north of $100 million. Uh, speaking of the Eternals, critic reviews have not been kind, uh, coming in at about 56% at, at the time of writing on Rotten Tomatoes um, and 54 on Metacritic, the lowest in both sites for the MCU to date, potentially the first ever Rotten film. I guess you can't make 26 films in a row without having one of them be a stinker. I do have tickets to see Eternals on Saturday, so I'll see for myself how it is and report back. Uh, Pre-sales for the Eternals, seven days prior to release, were at about $9.5 million sold, about 98% of Black Widow, so basically even, and about 55% above uh, Sang-Chi's pre-sales, but the pace at which new pre-sales have come in have stagnated since reviews came out. I think Walk-Up should be decent. It is a Marvel film, after all, people want to check it out, um, um, and even if I don't think it'll have as great word of mouth as Shang-Chi, and while it may be, I think, more front-loaded in the first uh, weekend as opposed to uh, subsequent weekends, um, the forecast should, I think, be somewhere in the 60 to $70 million opening weekend. Now, looking internationally, we've got some news of pandemic restrictions easing up. In South Korea, they introduced a new living with COVID-19 policy to take effect in about three to six weeks. 75% of the population is currently fully vaccinated and booster shots are coming this month. Uh, masks will be required in theaters as always, uh, as, but then in about 20% of theaters, uh, proof of vaccination will be required. Um, but in those theaters, there will not be any reduced capacity limits. Um, so that should help out. Uh, in Korea, Dune rose to first place in its second weekend over there, dropping only 12% versus Venom's third weekend dropping 45%, uh, going from number one to number two. Uh, pre-sales for Eternals in South Korea have hit post-pandemic number one over there, 200,000 tickets pre-sold versus Black Widow's 170,000 tickets pre-sold as of two days before the release. Um, in India, the Delhi movie halls are set to reopen at 100% capacity this weekend. And in Australia, um, this is the first weekend where all theaters have been opened again after a staggered reopening with different parts of the country opening at different times. Sanxi has benefited from this staggered reopening, being the number one film for the past nine weekends, which is a pretty stunning feat in any region. Um, you know, week 10 likely won't happen, unfortunately, due to the Eternals coming out. Uh, on the other records, uh, Dune and No Time to Die both crossed the 3 million admissions mark in France, the only two films to do so since Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, and Jumanji Next Level in December 2019. This surpasses local film Camelot. Uh, in the UK, No Time to Die has surpassed uh, pe uh, Titanic uh, with 85.9 million pounds, about 117 million US dollars, um, and it's only about you know uh, four million US dollars away from taking Endgame's from beating Endgame's total to break into the top five all-time UK films. Uh, we also have some new release dates, uh, and for international markets, Venom Let There Be Carnage will arrive in Japan December 3rd with a special fan event on November 16th to get social media reactions out there. Apparently, though, that's going to cause No Way Home to come out after the U.S. and worldwide releases over there, so that might you know, be, an, be not the ideal situation over there. 
Um, the other new dates are actually for international, they're actually for the Chinese market. Uh, they're making their way through the back catalog of Hollywood films from this year, it looks like. Uh, Paramount's Ill-Fated Snake Eyes, starring Henry Golding, is set to release this weekend, November 5th, in China. And then Disney's Jungle Cruise, starring The Rock, is coming out November 12th, uh, the day it will come out on Disney Plus for free. Um, I think, assuming Black Widow, Sanctuary, and Internals aren't making it over there for political reasons, Venom Let There Be Carnage is probably the last big film this year, still pending a release date in China. Um, rumors say it should be sometime late November. Um, uh, no word on when No Way Home comes out yet. Presumably, it'll be, I think, sometime around uh, the December release. However, you know there are 40, about 14% of box office theaters around the Beijing area were closed as COVID outbreak had put restrictions into place. Total box office impact is about 6, 6 to 10% of total box office has been closed down because of the COVID outbreak over there. Now, looking at the actual box numbers from China, uh, No Time to Die, Bond, made his debut with a better-than-expected $28.2 million domestically when forecasts going into the weekend had about, added about $20 million. That's the third highest opening this film for box office for a Hollywood film, so yay for them. Uh, the reviews on Marianne are pretty favorable, 8.9, uh, which is better than Spectre's 8.0 and Dune's 7.9, much more similar to the favorably um, to the favorably reviewed Free Guy 8.9. Uh, the forecast from Marianne for the Total run has about 68.2 million domestically. Pending the aforementioned COVID outbreak, uh, we could have potentially seen like a 30 million opening um, if not for that, I think. Uh, in second place, uh, the Battle for Lake Changjin has made $19 million this weekend, adding to the cumulative total of $858 million so far, uh, from what I can see. That's pretty close to, if not if uh, to if not more than Wolf Warrior 2's all-time box office total in China. Depending on what source you use, uh, my numbers have it at about $80, $880 million. Um, so I think that number should be passed sometime this week. Um, it's also worth noting uh, that this number apparently was, you know somewhat inflated by the government by basically buying out theaters for mandatory viewings by workers as patriotic educational measures. Um, you know, there's a whole debate about whether this counts or not. I mean, look, if somebody's going to buy tickets out for you and, and, and make other people watch it, yeah, sort of the government doing it is, a, is the Chinese Communist Party's way of doing things. But for purposes of the box office, I mean, you can't really put an asterisk to it in that way um, and just discount it completely. Anyway, uh, moving on to third place, we have Dune dropping a pretty steep 77% down to 4.9 million in the weekend, a cumulative total of 33.1 million so far. Likely will not make more than $40 million this rate, which is about where Acquired Place 2 ended up. Um, as noted, this one had middling reviews and also a death, a dearth of 2D screenings versus 3D available. In fourth place, the 2008 Japanese drama film Departures, the first ever Japanese film to win Best Foreign Language Oscar, um, has had its release in China, making $3.6 million this weekend. And then rounding out the top five is the patriotic film My Country, My Parents, adding $2.4 million to a $226 million cumulative total. Beyond the numbers, we have a couple of minor headlines. Uh, Comcast released some numbers around streaming service Peacock's profitability, or rather lack of profitability. Uh, last quarter, it lost $520 million, though CEO Jeff Sell seems relaxed about it, saying that it's headed in the right direction. Uh, no numbers regarding signups or subscriptions were provided. Netflix announced they will be partnering with Iconic Events Releasing for a limited theatrical release of their animated film The Mitchells vs. the Machines, produced by Sony Picture Animation, later this month, November 20th and 21st. Presumably, I think it's going to help to raise awareness for the film for its Oscars animated feature campaign. 
Sony announced action comedy The Man from Tomorrow, starring Kevin Hart, Woody Harrelson, and Katie, Kaylee Cuoco, got pushed back from a January 14th release to an August 12th release next year. Over at Disney, Taika Waititi was announced to direct the Scarlett Johansson-produced Tower of Terror film. And then also for Disney, the upcoming Pixar film Lightyear, the in-universe fictional movie that inspired the Buzz Lightyear toy in the original Toy Story film, had its first teaser trailer release starring Chris Evans, who seems to have made a career of not finishing catchphrases. Um, it's currently scheduled for June 17th release and hit 83 million views in the first 24 hours, the second best views for a Pixar trailer, only behind Incredible 2's $114 million in the first 24 hours. It also beat The Eternals' first trailer's 77 million views. Now, before we wrap up the show, while I can't say I've seen any feature-length films this weekend, I am seeing Eternals again this coming weekend, uh, we do have two entries for what I have been watching. Uh, first, my wife happened to put on a Netflix documentary that was not about two crime. Uh, this was Iron Fists and Kung Fu Kicks. Uh, apparently, this documentary came out in 2019, but it did what I thought was a pretty decent history of the chronology of the Kung Fu film genre, from Saw Brother films to Bruce Lee to Jackie Chan, with various interludes about how Kung Fu has had an impact on different parts of culture, uh, from black activism to uh, b-boying culture to you know other film markets out there, such as the Thai or Ugandan film market. Um, now, not the most groundbreaking documentary out there by any means, but I can't claim to be an expert on martial arts films, and this did make me want to go back and watch a bunch of them for the first time ever, so I think that's a pretty good endorsement. It'll put you in the mood for some kung fu fighting. Secondly, in honor of Halloween, and because I'm a wuss when it comes to scary films, uh, for a Halloween evening, my wife and I watched the Muppets Haunted Mansion special on Disney+. As someone who has a soft spot for the Muppets and fond memories of the Haunted Mansion ride from Disney World having grown up in Florida, this was a fun take with lots of references uh, that I definitely was like, oh, I, I get that reference. Uh, scattered throughout and various fun cameos, my favorite probably being Darren Chris as the uh, caretaker. Again, not the most groundbreaking of projects, even within the Muppet universe, but then again, the Muppet projects have a very high floor for me for enjoyability. Heck, I may have been inspired by this to try to do a uh, Muppet filmography watch-through for a different podcast of mine, maybe next year. And with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Uh, suit my ideas for what else I should cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at zealand.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review, or at the very least, tell a friend. Any of that helps. If you're feeling extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon, which lets me make not only this show, but all the other podcasts I work on. Links to all of that will be in our show notes. Numbers used in the show come from dnumbers.com. Our intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod at incompetent.filmmusic.io. Editing production provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watts. And remember, our watch goes on. Yeah.